Welcome along to episode 745 of The Mill by Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show this week, Alex Bourne will be along to let us know about his role in Annie at the Grand. We'll be having a natter with Jessica Serby all about how we can brighten up our rooms and paint them blue. Blue is the most popular colour at the minute, one of my favourites, very popular there. We'll be hearing from the team behind ACT in Wolverhampton, where you could be taking up acting classes. We have a natter with the co-writer and co-director of the film Chaos Rising, which is available now on YouTube. YouTube, and we talk to Kelsey Parker, widow of Tom Parker, about a new survey that's being carried out by Co-op to help people with grief. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the milk bar. 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 When it comes to the world of the arts, acting is an amazing way to express yourself and be somebody else for a while. Act Wolverhampton is being coordinated by Jacob Lewis-Taylor, who joins me now to tell me more about the classes. Hello, sir. Hello, mate. How are you doing? It's been a while. Well, it has been, but chance to catch up, which is good. And what is going on with Act Wolverhampton? Because this is a relatively new project, isn't it? This is a relatively new undertaking. That's right. And I think what you've just said puts it brilliantly and it puts our mission statement brilliantly. We are uh, brand new acting classes right here in Wolverhampton for uh, adults in the region. That's people over the age of 18. We don't have an upper limit. Uh, and we are here to provide a gateway into the world of the creative industries, acting in particular, but also the world of filmmaking and theatre making as well for anyone who feels like they want a new creative outlet here in Wolverhampton. Yeah, and it can be a hobby or it could be something you maybe want to pursue as a career. It could be a part of an Amdram group and you want to hone a few skills. Or it could well be that, uh, you know, you, you're just there and you want to, to build confidence in some way. And, uh, you know, this is all something which is available to people who come and join the classes. That's right. Well, look, we're here for all of that. I mean, our philosophy comes from the fact that we have just, well, I say just come out of the back end of a pandemic. It feels like yesterday, but it's actually turns out been quite a while. We've just come out the back end of a pandemic where we all spent an awful lot of time sat down in our houses, engaging with the creative sectors. You know, we've been watching recorded theatre. We've been watching an awful lot of what's on the world of streaming. And of course, now we can get back to theatrical experiences, both in cinemas and theater as well. And over the last couple of years, we've really doubled down, I think, as a society and a culture, reminding ourselves the importance of creative expression and creative work. And I've been teaching young people for an awful long time, but what I hear all the time from adults, both the parents of young people that I've taught or just in day-to-day -day life, what I hear all the time is some variation, Jason, on the phrase, I never knew that this was something I could do. And I, you know, I even hear it from my own family. My own parents have always been incredibly creative people um, who ultimately never really followed that part of themselves um, and never pursued uh, creative expression as much as they probably ought to have done um, and never found fulfillment that way. So what we're trying to do at Act Wolverhampton is, is give people, as I say, a gateway into those creative sectors that are getting bigger and bigger and more and more democratized. We're in the golden age of streaming content. There is more film being made than ever. There is more 
television being made than ever. There's even room now for actors in the games industry more and more. And now that the pandemic is over, we're getting back to theatre making as well. And all of this encompasses both the professional sphere and the independent sphere. I mean, we've spoken before, you and me, Jason, about, about independent um, filmmaking and how mm -hmm. that part of the industry, what we would typically consider the, the, the B-list part of the industry, is getting much more bigger as creative expression is increasingly democratized. So we wanna make sure that people in this region, and I think we can charitably say that the, the artistic sectors are, are a little bit London centric. Um, <laughs> and so we think it's really important to make sure that people outside London, particularly here in the Midlands, have that facility to learn and engage with those core skills. We are here to help them uh, garner those core skills if it's something they want to do part time or even just for fun to gain confidence in the workplace. We're here for that as well, because we think that engaging with story and character and the journey of stories and characters is a great way to build your confidence in the real world. Absolutely. And it could well be that, uh, you know, through the people like yourselves who are filmmakers in our area, you might, you might have a project that comes along that they might want to then work with you on. Uh, it could be that uh, there's a, you know, uh, the, the, the scope to be able to apply for extra roles. And, and they say the, the, there is an encouragement to try and take some of these projects outside of London. And uh, there's financial incentives to do that. So actually being in the right place at the right time with the skill set, which you've been able to hone and be able to put on your CV that you have done this course. It's great having some headshots, but you need to be able to show something tangible, too. And uh, the opportunity maybe even to uh, produce a showreel out of this could be uh, an, another way of, of, of using this course to yeah, develop what you can do that's absolutely right and all of the above is true and i will say i i'm not really thinking of this as, as a course with with a specific start and end point jason i'm quite happy for people to jump in at any point uh whether they are just starting out or whether they have a little bit of experience under their belt already it's absolutely fine we are taking a very individualized bespoke and personal approach to make sure that anyone who spends time with us can stay with us for as long as they need and reach whatever their personal creative goals are. If they want to pursue becoming a professional actor, either full-time or part-time, we are here to facilitate that. If it's something people want to do just as a hobby, perhaps they want to do some student short films and just want to keep their hand in acting that way, we're here to facilitate that as well. But if people just want to gain a little bit more confidence at work, and think having a creative way of doing that through acting and storytelling is the way that they want to do that. We're here to facilitate that as well. We do not have a specific endpoint to a course, as you say. We are gonna, we are gonna be ongoing, um, and we're gonna facilitate getting people where they need to go for as long as that takes. And it sounds like a great way of doing it as well. So people can dip into, stay with, and see how it develops. And you know, although maybe you're not saying, well, we're going to do X, Y, and Z as production so far, who knows where it could develop from there? Well, the plan is that, as I say, we're going to take quite a bespoke approach to that. I want to hear from our students as to what they want their creative North Star to be. And I've been having these conversations with some of our first crop of students, some of which have been saying they want to pursue um, some theatre, some of them saying they want to pursue some film. So we're looking at a mix of uh, short film and uh, one act theatre work to get everybody started, to give them an objective to work towards and a chance to showcase uh, how far they've come in quite a short time as performers. And then we will continue to grow our, our output from there. 
So when does all this take place? What's the cost of being involved and where do they have to be? Sure. So at the moment, we are running for 90 minutes on Tuesday nights from 7 till 8.30 p.m. At the moment, we are at St. Peter's Collegiate Academy, who have a marvellous theatre space right here in Wolverhampton and if you don't know exactly where that is it's very close to the Wolves training ground if any of you know the the uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers training ground that looks like a great big aircraft hangar we are right next to that Um, in terms of cost we are 120 pounds for a 12-week academic term equivalent uh, which amounts to 10 pounds a session which is far below what an awful lot of uh, acting courses, acting classes would charge up and coming actors. We want to make sure that our price and our fee structure is there to accommodate everybody. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can give us an email at actwolverhampton at gmail.com. That's all one word lowercase. And I'll say it again. So you've got it, actwolverhampton at gmail.com. Or you can give us a ring on 07812-071022. And if social media is more your thing, you can find us on all of the major social media platforms at Act Wolverhampton and look for our black and white logo. Uh, but, you know, those sort of prices, you're looking at something which can be a hobby or it can be a career starter. So uh, it's uh, it's something you can enjoy and, and make the most of. Well, keep up the good work, getting people into the world of acting and, of course, developing this the way in which your students wish to see it go. Jacob Lewis-Taylor from Act Wolverhampton, thanks for joining us. Jason Forrest, thank you very much, mate. With Annie at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 10th through to the 14th of October, you have a riot of amazing talent on stage. Part of that is the man playing Daddy Warbucks, Alex Bourne. How are you doing, sir? Very well. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. And uh, looking forward to seeing the show. Now, I was lucky enough to catch you in Birmingham. Uh, ah. You've got a, an amazing lineup there, and uh, I absolutely adored it. And this is going to be something that will wow audiences uh, uh, as ever, because Annie is just everybody's you know, favourite musical about a red-headed young girl. It certainly is. I think we've actually been to Wolverhampton twice before as well. It's always mm-hmm. done very well there. It's a, you know, it's a very, um, it's a very popular show. We're doing, yeah, it's, it's selling out all over the country at the moment. And uh, and I say I've been doing this show on and off for since 2015, and I would say this is the strongest cast we've ever had. It's just, it's the best sort of shape we showed them we've been in. <laughs> And uh, you know we're getting standing ovations every night. Craig Revel Horwood is is firing on all cylinders, and we've got some great Annies. And so yeah, we're very excited to take the show around the country. Well, yeah, and and, and suitably so. I mean, the music in it uh, itself sells the show. Yeah, then when you have the yeah. talent on top, and uh, obviously with uh, Craig doing Strictly, you've got Jodie Prenger in on the Saturday night and the Saturday matinee. Uh, so you've got an amazing lineup. Whatever day of the week you attend. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you could. They're, they're so different, Jodie and Craig. But it's like it's a real treat having Jodie come in because she's not doing. She obviously doesn't do Corey on a Saturday, so it's worked out really well that she can come up and join us. So, uh, how do you bring your magic to Daddy Warbucks? Well, I think when I first got this role, I think I was probably a bit. I think people thought I was a bit young for it. Really, I think they <laughs> wanted to go for a younger. You know a younger version of the of the thing but now but like eight years later i'm probably uh, a bit older fatter than <laughs> yeah. that but uh but yeah i was always i've always wanted to make him kinder i think you know he's uh, some people play him very brash 
at the beginning and Albert Finney in the movie is very he's very brash isn't he I'm, I, I've much preferred there's a Disney version of the movie of Annie which they did in 1999 with Victor Gerber playing Warbucks mm. and he's a very gentle soul in that and I like that kind of take on it really but you just bring yourself to everything though don't you that's the thing you, you can't help but bring who you are to the role you know so you'll be you're, you're yeah nice fella Brings that into the role, not Stern, yeah. as Stern, but but still, yeah, doing what Annie needs him to do in the show. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I mean, in the show itself, it's very, it's a very quick turnaround from from him meeting Annie, and then literally one scene later, they're like best friends. So you have to imagine a little, a small passage of time where they develop this this friendship, this relationship, and, he's, and, and she starts to change his life. You know. And and do you enjoy the billionaire lifestyle at least whilst you're on stage? Exactly. I didn't see. I didn't realize we we're going to be filming this today because I'm I'm about to play golf, which is why I'm wearing my um, Hawaiian golf top. <laughs> so I like to get out there, get out in the sun. Whenever I play golf, I, I never wear a hat because I like to get my head as tanned as possible. Because I'm not bald. I've got a full head of hair, and I have to shave. You can't really see. <laughs> I have to shave every day. Which is a, a slight pain in the neck, but it's all right, you know. But I love it when the when the sun comes out. Let's get my head out in the sun to get that kind of billionaire tan. <laughs> so it's all part of building this amazing picture of uh, Oliver Warbuck's life on stage. So uh, with the 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 Annie's you've already mentioned, they're amazing, and and this is part of it. You see some great talent coming through when you're doing yeah. a show like this. You do, and you know, uh, I mean, some of my original Annies, you know, they're all grown up now. <laughs> they're like twenty-one <laughs> years old. Some of them have been in some. Um, one of them was just in Guardians of the Galaxy. She's now doing a play in the West End, and and I love to sort of stay in touch with them all, you know, and see them all grow up. And some uh, one of my original Annies is now in a in a an R and B group. They've got a record deal, you know. It's just like I've actually I've actually done the show with twenty-eight different Annies <laughs> over the years. And I mean that is impressive in itself, and each of them going on to do amazing things because they really are talented. When you're bringing these kids to the stage, and the whole group or the whole orphanage is full of oh. kids who are going to move on and and do brilliant stuff in the world of either the West End or or beyond. That's it. We we tour all the kids with us, so you know I, I think there've been other versions of Annie down the line over the years where they they'll recruit local kids for that week. You know, so it's always a little bit. Uh, but we we tour all 21 kids that we have and they rotate you know we rotate the annies and the mollies and the orphans and um but they're all they're all incredible well i'd say it is an incredible show the music uh is is going to inspire the songs will have you tapping your feet singing along and the action on stage is going to leave you knowing that you've been to see a proper show isn't it exactly that's the thing about this show i, I mean i don't come on for half an hour and i like to stand in the wings and watch the beginning of the show and see how the audience are and and you just got that i mean maybe you know the song maybe is one of my favorite songs in the show and he sings it at the very beginning so you got maybe that's incredible and then you're into hard not life which everybody knows mm -hmm. and things tomorrow and you think how can, can this get any better and then you've got never fully dressed without a smile and myc and all those other incredible songs and i've got a nice song in act two to sing as well but that makes life nice and uh, and tuneful for you. The whole show available on stage at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 10th through to the 14th of October. 01902 429212 is a box office number, grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. 
and you can enjoy the magic of Annie brought to life. Whether you go and see a Craig Revel Hallwood night or a Jodie Prenger one, uh, you're going to have a, a brilliant time. That's the guarantee. And uh, so it's a, 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 ch- a chance to uh, really ex- explore the characters. And it's, I think, the joy of seeing it on stage is so different to seeing the film as well, isn't it? Because of the way in which the it's, it's really brought to life in real life in proper 3D. Absolutely, and uh, but also the film, the original film is a very, it's a slightly different story to this mm. original, the original book musical that was done on Broadway in '77. But when they made the film, I guess when you're doing a film, you can do you can do slightly different things with it. There's different songs in it, um, so there are definitely some things that people won't expect in this version, and and songs they maybe never heard before. But they're all incredible. Well, it is going to be an amazing time. Alex Bourne, Daddy Warbucks, thank you for joining us. Thank you. New research is showing that Brits have started to close up again and talking about grief following the pandemic. To tell us more about this recent research being done by Crews Bereavement Care and the Co-op, I'm joined now by Kelsey Parker. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Now, uh, you've been through your own fair share of grief following the loss of Tom back March last year. And during you know, Tom's illness, you were in a position to talk about his wishes, about how his death would affect the family. And although it's obviously been a really difficult time, you're at least safe in the knowledge that you knew what his feelings were. Yeah, well, actually, to be fair, we didn't really have these conversations. So this is why I wanted to be a part of this, because, you know, he probably would have always let me deal with the funeral and stuff like that. But we never actually went to the place of death because for Tom's mindset. But I think it's so important to have these conversations regarding death, funerals, grief, loss, what it looks like, how it feels. Now, obviously, we've all had some sort of loss in our lives. Uh, I've I've mentioned on air before that uh, I lost my mom just coming up on 12 months ago, my dad uh, just under two years ago. And the emotions that you go through then, uh, you you can't expect and plan for them, even though in both cases I had uh, either a few days or a a few months warning that this was going to happen. And through Tom's illness, uh, obviously, he was valiantly battling on as far as he could. And unfortunately, things did take a turn for the worse. And, uh, you know, he he wasn't able to, to beat his cancer, but he, he, he lived a good life. And you've got at least that to look back on. He lived a fantastic life. And, you know, he had 33 years here. And what he did in his 33 years is probably more than some of us do in a whole lifetime. He had a fantastic life. And, um, yeah, I, I just think there's no right. Like, obviously, even if you have days to process it, weeks to process it, months to process it, years, it's it's still so hard to process that that person's not going to be here anymore. So it, it is, as you said, important to talk. And when it's somebody who's so full of life, having uh, interviewed uh, Tom when he was doing the tour for Greece, I mean, I know what a, a full of life, really uh, nice fella he was. And uh, to have you know, had that that time and to see him on stage and for his many fans to see him on stage, you know, it, it through the, the work that he's done, actually this sort of thing can help us tackle the elephant in the room. And as we talk, you're at an event at Tower Bridge with uh, with Co-op and we have a, a giant elephant behind you to sort of bring that message home. Yeah, and it, it's we're so rubbish as a nation to talk about death and it's such a taboo subject, but why? Let's talk about it. Let's embrace it. Let's have them conversations. Let's get rid of the elephant in the room. 
and let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. And and how do you think start that conversation? I mean, the the, the survey that you know, has given us, you know, the fact that we have a fear of dying. Understandably, it is that change, it is that loss. But uh, you know, it, it's not an easy subject to approach. When we were talking to my mom and dad, uh, my mom had had a stroke and uh, was in recovery, and that's when we found out what hymns that everybody wanted at their funeral. You know, that sort of thing. And uh, it, it's good to know that, isn't it? So you know, you're doing what they want. It's lovely to know that, and 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 you know when they are they when they have passed over, it's knowing that you've done what they wanted, really. What else have you discovered here in the the the, the conversations you've had with the uh, co-op? So people do feel different about it. People do want to have the conversations when others are just like, I just can't go there. I can't talk about this, and I just think it's such we're we're so British. Even the way people think I should be at thirty three and a widow. I'm it's here in a pink jumpsuit talking about death and grief and loss, but it's okay. Because it, it, it doesn't take away from the the life that you and Tom had together, the, the happy years of marriage, uh, the fact that you've been able to bring a little one into this world. And, uh, you know... Two little ones. Two little yeah, ones. So, yeah, obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, it's... Uh, uh, it's all part of uh, of life and you can't let the the death part which was however untimely stop you living for the kids yeah and that's it it's you know what would tom want me to do he'd want me to live life but it's actually taught me i don't sweat the small stuff now either like you know some things get people down but i'm like Life's been so tough that them them little things that bother you on a day, they just let them go. Enjoy the life that you have here. The important thing is, though, however much you're struggling, it's important to talk to somebody because there is always going to be someone there to help. Uh, and this is where the uh, the partner in this survey comes in. Yeah, it's, it's talking to people. It's getting the message out there. And I always talk about, you know, my village. I'm so lucky that... I have my family, I have the support system of my village to talk to. And yeah, it's just the talking massively, massively helps. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the uh, Cruise Bereavement Care, part of the uh, the, the survey here, that's uh, yep. really it's revisiting to see where we are and how we feel uh, about being able to, to cope. And it's uh, something, sadly, which is going to affect pretty much all of us at some point in our lives, isn't it? Well, that's the one thing we are guaranteed is we are all actually going to die. We're all going to be born and we're all going to die. So let's have conversations. Yeah, talk about it and make sure that uh, we uh, are, are able to, to say enjoy life with our loved ones, but still know their feelings and and uh, ensure that uh, you know we we don't let anybody struggle through grief because it, it's it's not uh, an easy time uh, when you're living it as as publicly as as, as you've uh, had to. Uh, it's um, you know great to have had. I just yeah, I take it the support of of Tom's fans, but. But equally, there are times when you need to take a step back from that and, and have your own time too. Yeah, but I literally couldn't have got through this without the fans and without the support of everyone um, around me and people that, you know, are very present on my Instagram and are there and, and supporting me. I wouldn't have been able to get through this without them because I feel like I'm doing it for everyone as well, that, that you know, I'm, I'm helping lots of people in my journey. 
Absolutely. And I think that's another important part of it. It's, it's people like yourself and the amount of coverage that, that Tom got in a, a positive light towards the end of his life as well. I think that was, you know, the, the importance of understanding, you know, the, the, the care that he needed and, and, and that sort of things too. Yeah, definitely. I think also the awareness that we have shown for, you know, death doesn't pick its person. It can happen to anyone. Yeah, he's shown he's shown everyone that you know there is there is no age to die and um, that yeah just just to remain positive really. Where can we go for more information on this from the co-op? Head over to the co-op's website and take part in their survey that they are doing. Yeah, so they're they're looking for more information on how everyone else is dealing with a, a time to uh, to talk it through and with the help of uh, Cruise Bereavement Care as well. Hopefully, we can see more people get the assistance they need at the most difficult sort of soul destroying time of your life there are people there to help and talk to but uh, search for cop funeral care and cruise bereavement care and you'll be able to uh, uh, yeah, join in that survey and talk about your experiences as kelsey you've been able to following the passing of tom well, Absolutely. good, good to you. speak to you, even though the circumstances uh, are, are, are never good ones. But uh, love to you and the family. And uh, we look forward to uh, yeah, seeing people help through the research that's been done here. Thank you so much. When it comes to our homes, we often have a neutral palette. But let's get rid of that boring beige and go for some bright colours. Blue, apparently, is the shade that people would like to have their front rooms. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Jessica Swaby, colour consultant and author. Good afternoon. Hello there. So when it comes down to our houses, I mean, we, we don't do the bold, do we? Yet during the darker times we have ahead, during winter and uh, the unpleasant months there, our homes are our only bit of brightness in our world. So it's nice when we can keep them warm, but also to keep them colourful. Yes, I think the research has shown that over 12% of people in the UK think they describe their own home as boring or bland, which when you spend a lot of time in your house, that's quite a depressing fact. And people want to embrace more colour, but I think they're a little bit intimidated by it. But there really is no reason. If you use the colours that you love, there's no reason to be intimidated by colour. Yeah, and having grown up with a bedroom that was painted blue, uh, obviously I've been a trend setting there, as, as blue seems to be the most popular colour that people would go for. But it's getting the, the right shade and right variant, isn't it? And that's where getting the, uh, the colour swashes out really make a difference. Yes, I mean, I'm the same. Blue is my favourite colour. So I'm so happy that the research is showing that that is the most popular colour at the moment that people want to experiment with. Um, yeah, blue is, I think it's had a bit of an unfair rap. It, people think it's a cold colour, but literally all it is is finding the right shade of blue for your home and your lighting. And yeah, there's there's so many out there. Even if it's just one room or one wall or uh, maybe just the border that gets painted with, with a bold colour to, to brighten a room up, that can make a difference. But equally, if you, if you want to go for a whole colour palette, as we talk now on Zoom, obviously we, we have some glorious pinks with a flamingo picture behind you. And this it's, it's about setting a scene, isn't it? Yeah, I think that colour colour in, in, you know improves your mood. And if you use colours that, that mean something to you, you can't really go wrong. I know that... Um, 34% of people think that actually colour would give them a mood boost if they had more colour in their home and I just think when you spend so much time in your house you should come home and, and be you know be like oh I'm home it's all my happy favourite colours like that's what that's what it's all about and it's about you know bringing that brightness 
showing your personality. And if you do have people come and visit, you know that you, you're showing off you and the, the you you want to be seen as. I mean, you maybe you wouldn't want down the street wearing the feather boa, but you could have a nice purple fringe around the room. Yeah, I mean, I I fully, but my kind of like belief in life is that your home should represent you and who you are and your personality. And it makes me so sad when people say like, oh, I don't really, I'm scared to decorate because what if other people don't like it? And it's like, well, this is your house. You you live in this house. It should make you happy. Um, so yeah, your home should be a representation of, of your loves. So we really need them to ditch the nervousness and go for it. And of course, you can also assign a try before you buy the the little sample pots that you can get from home base. Uh, mean that you can actually try the colour on the wall before you actually then go ahead into the full room. Yes, that is my absolute top tip. I know like a third of people have had a painting disaster and I think that's scarred people. But if you sample your paints beforehand, you'll make sure that you won't, it won't go wrong basically because you've seen a little sample, you know it's going to work with the other things in your room. So therefore, when you commit to painting the whole room, you're going to be happy with it. You're not going to have to redecorate. And it's very asking advice when you do go into your DIY store as well, isn't it? You know, there are people there who can tell you that the paint counter actually do know a thing or two about what you're going to get with coverage, how it's going to work on different surfaces. And then you say the all important test when you get it there to make sure it does match and you have understood what your wall was like when you were telling them about it. Yes. And obviously the people in store can definitely help you. If you go online, there's lots of inspiration guides. You know, there's, there's the tools out there. Um, but yes, definitely sampling colours is my absolute number one tip for people to make sure that it works for your house. Absolutely. And uh, uh, get, get it right. Do it once and enjoy the colour. Because, I mean, there is a lot of effort and uh, it, it's not uh, without cost, but it is well worth, uh, you know, having this this brightness. And it's something that will last for years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this house, this room has been painted pink for the last nearly five years. Um, and because I did the research beforehand and made sure I was doing the testing of the samples, I've not once wanted to change it. So I think it's people are worried about the expense of having to repaint. But if you put the work in at first, you won't have to repaint because you'll be happy with the colour. And it can be a fun uh, family event doing the painting anyway. So you can actually get together to do. And if you don't have the skills, yeah, maybe bring somebody in. But doing it yourself, I think it it, it is something with the, the the way the emulsion paints work these days. It is easy to apply. And uh, it, as long as you get the right brush as well, which, again, you can get advice from uh, in, in home base, that you can uh, make sure that you get the finish you're looking for. Yes, definitely. I, we paint this whole house ourselves, so it is definitely doable. We haven't got any painting qualifications. It's just um, making sure you get like you just sheets down and getting all the bits covered up so you don't have like you're knocking paint onto anything. Um, but yes, it's very, very doable to do it yourself. Where can we go to for more information? If you visit the home base website, they've got like an ideas and advice section. So on there, there'll be all the little painting guides and top tips and advice on colour families and things like that. And of course, we can find you online to get some home type tips too. Yes, so obviously I'm at the house that Colour built on Instagram and I've also just brought out a book um, called Colour Confidence, which is about using colour in your home. And they say, maybe read the book and then pick your favourite bits and do it in your own home and have that confidence to do it and then nip down to home base and, and get exactly the right shade for you. And they have a uh, a, a full range of uh, of little cards up there. So you can actually pick one of those up, take it home, see what you think looks right in the light and then get the, your, your colour samples before you do finally take the plunge. Yes, definitely. Sounds like good fun to do and uh, in brightening our homes just in time for uh, the winter months. And it, when everyone comes around at Christmas or New Year, you can impress them with uh, the, the new front room colour palette. Yes, exactly. Who, who doesn't love a colourful room?
I think it'd be uh, it's, even if you just do the one wall just to, to brighten things up, it it it, it can uh, be less of a challenge, but still give you the the desired results. Yes, I think any bit of in color, any color kind of color injection, you can even if you bring it in through soft furnishings. Um, yeah, it's always a good idea to have colour in your home. Yeah, and tie your soft furnishings with your paint colours on the wall as well. That would be quite a good fun to do. Well, Jessica Sabi, colour consultant and author, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. With the release of Chaos Rising, it is a film which has been well-received even before it was made, and that's due to the crowdfunder that's really got things going. Tell us more. I'm joined now by writer and director Charlie Parker. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. So tell us a, a bit about uh, the, the, the beginning of this, because there's a bit of Warhammer inspiration here, but uh, a project which has been born out of love. Yeah, yeah. we're um, So we uh, teamed up with a, a bunch of boys that are part of Clan Ranald, which are like this big clan of Vikings, <laughs> is the <laughs> way to describe it, really. They're a big group of uh, guys that you'll see in things like Outlander, Outlaw King. Uh, the main man himself is in Gladiator. So anytime you see bearded blokes fighting each other in the background, that's them. So we uh, we met up with these guys. They're um, diehard um, Warhammer fans. Me and Jack, my co-director, we're, um, we've been into the video game side of Warhammer because it's mm-hmm. just one of those universes that's so big. Um, so we saw eye to eye in our sort of nerdy fandom. They uh, they brought the people, we brought the, the filmmaking um, ability because uh, me and Jack had done sort of like video game adaptations called media mm-hmm. mashups on YouTube before. So uh, I'd like to I'd like to think they were quite high production value considering it's just the two of us bashing them out. So these we these guys saw that and they were like, how about we make a film together where we we supply the Vikings, you supply the the production team, and we'll, that's where we we started from there. And, and it is your beard homage to this as well, or is it uh, just a personal non-shaving choice? <laughs> this is a uh, cool director stress. There's just, <laughs> it's just slowly come out of my face as the uh, production's gone up. As long as long as we know the reason behind that. But <laughs> I mean, the, the, as I mentioned, the, the project was very widely discussed on Reddit. Uh, your YouTube work is exceptionally well known, and you're releasing on YouTube too. So the, through the the crowdfunder. This has allowed you to put it on a platform which is instantly accessible to all. Yeah, correct. Um, we we thought when we put this together, we were going for something much smaller. We were going for a 10-minute short when we came up with this idea. That quickly expanded into what we pitched as a 20-minute film because we got so much um, reception from our Kickstarter. We weren't actually expecting it to go that big. Um, and because it did, uh, I guess our ego got the be- better of us and we went <laughs> in secret. We decided to make it a full film. We went, you know what, let's just make it a 40 minute film. We're like, there's there's eyes watching us. We might as well make this something knockout that they are all going to, you know, something that you can sit and savor and enjoy. Something so that requires popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's that's what we want. By that point, we'd already got funded by people, uh, which was a promise we'd made to put it on YouTube. So we were kind of locked into that agreement early on. So we're like, well, we're making a film. It's going out on YouTube for free. Uh, let's just let people, you know, watch it and enjoy. And you were able to take over a, a fantastic location in Scotland as well. Yeah, correct. Um, Duncaran Medieval Village. It's uh, it's like this. So clan, the clan I was talking about earlier, they're the guys who own this place. Um, it's owned by a guy called Charlie Allen, who's also in the film as our antagonist um is Ulfgar. he uh started this place uh i think like 25 years ago i'm not quite sure of the construction timeline but he's built a 12th century medieval village it's it's and it's been constructed in the way you would have built it 
in the 12th century. So it's all palisade walls, all the all the um constructions there are, are like genuine articles, you know, the longhouse is built like it would have been built. So it's all wood, you know, there's no sort of cheating around it until recently when Outlander moved in. Um, they filmed their final season there, uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shared a set with Outlander <laughs> and uh <laughs> They they added some polishing touches, uh, should we say. So some of the walls now are a bit beefier than they used to be, and they've got a bit of set work in them, and they're made out of um, carbon fiber and stuff. So it looks really cool. So that's the only disingenuous part of the fort in terms of construction, but it it, it looks pretty pretty cool. So uh, mm-hmm. I think it's all worth it. Well, it's, it's all part of the story of the village now. Obviously, you know, things have changed. It's, it's been featured uh, heavily now, and uh, playing a, a massive starring role in your work here. Uh, so give us a, a little bit on the story that you can tell us without uh, too many spoilers. Sure. So the story is a classic um, these guys versus these guys kind of tale. Um, it's about uh, the fortified village um, in the story belongs to a sort of French baron, Baron Hubolt. Uh, it's called Fort Raisal, and he's part of this sort of um, race of people um, who are heavily um, ruled by class. Um, it's a big class divide within their people. So mm-hmm. you're either rich or you're not. You know, it's ha- it's a tale of haves and haves have nots within their their society. Um, and Chaos Rising takes place on the night that they're invaded um, by a marauder warband who are the equivalent to Vikings, essentially a Viking warband having basically coming to to pillage their home but it turns out that the um the leader of the this this sort of viking if you will um tribe Ulfgar, he actually has some history uh with one of the knights who happens to be in the fort at the time and he has this personal vendetta so it becomes this um story of of watching how someone with power is so easily willing to sacrifice his own just to get at his personal vendetta and that comes from both sides because we're trying to um explore the gray areas of warfare and even though we do technically have a protagonist and an antagonist we would say he's an anti-hero and he's a villain with a point so uh we wanted to keep keep that area gray because um since this is uh this has taken some inspirations from uh, the Warhammer universe, it's all about that. You know, everyone chooses their own team. So there's no good guys, no bad guys. Everyone's a bit, <laughs> everyone's a bit disjointed in some way or another. So uh, there's no exceptions here. And we wanted to... Probably a bit more like real life than some of the things that we see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially when you're talking about medieval history, like, you know, were, were there any good guys? <laughs> there's, you know, there's the occasional one, but um, yeah, generally speaking, we we just wanted to... Put a, put a looking glass into a fantasy version of history um, and just tell it for how it was rather than how you'd want it to be. And will the merch include uh, the Holy Grail Day cards? Uh, <laughs> I mean, is, is that something we'll start to celebrate now? It's not a bad idea. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've been considering all sorts of different merch and things like that, but uh, Holy, Holy Grail Day cards, that's not a bad idea. Okay, see how that works out. I'll on a co-creator credit for that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it is fun to have something like that to celebrate. And it's probably an, you know, a bit of a distraction while something else happens during the plot. Exactly. It's that classic, uh, it's, it's kind of a classic tactic that Vikings use because 
Well, even though our major inspiration was Warhammer, we still wanted to factor in inspirations from actual real history. And one of the one of the things the Vikings were known for was their intelligence when they were raiding places. So they often would wait for um, one thing that everyone did in Britain at the time was celebrate their faith. So they would wait for the day that they're all celebrating their faith. They're in, they're in the church, all gathered up in one place. So um, that's that's a bit we've taken from from the sort of historical element that Vikings would do that. And that, you know, Grail Day is their equivalent of, of them doing that. So they, they've let their guard down. All the guards are drunk, you know, they're at their worst. So this is the perfect time for you to raid that place when they, they, their guards dropped, the doors are open. It's uh, it's a it's a pretty fine time to raid a raid a village. <laughs> and, and you've talked about the bearded men who are appearing on screen. I mean, they really are showing off amazing skills here. This is cinematography at its finest, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And and on that subject, we, we had quite a few cinematographers because often, uh, you know, typically in a film, you have a director of photography who who is a singular person and he controls the image for the whole film. Um, due to problematic circumstances, just as we got to the the start of the film, our, our, our DOP to be um, got COVID, got long COVID and was just knocked out of the park. So we had to quickly scramble our contacts and we ended up stepping stones like choosing different guy each weekend so we ended up with guest cinematographers all very talented guys um just no singular uh, director of photography so this really was a challenge for us as directors to keep the style consistent and maintain that that sort of visual um aesthetic throughout the entire film even though we're using different people that said i mean that gives you uh more ideas very often as well and you've got lots of different people coming into the project and i'm sure there were meetings before everything started and you know all having something to put into creating this piece which uh as we say is going to be available on youtube and this in itself I think it's it's a good medium, isn't it? Because you know you people will be able to get instant access and watch it on pretty much any device these days. I mean, YouTube used to be limited to you know, a small box in the corner of your PC. Now it can be on your seventy-two inch TV screen. That's it. That's it. Um, I think we're cashing in on the the experience that YouTube uh, gives people. They can watch it as flexibly as they like. Um, Obviously, watching a film, we would prefer them to sit and watch it in one viewing, but it's it's the modern day and modern age. Not everyone has time to do that, so they can watch it however they please. But um, it's also just the the sort of the 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 weight of YouTube as well, and how important it is in in today's society. If we get you know a lot of views on YouTube, it's likely that some key persons of interest might have seen it in that in that batch of people, which is one of our main goals. Is is uh, we're not here to sell a film. We're here to make a proof of concept to sell ourselves as filmmakers. So that's kind of our our goal at the end of the day. So YouTube is almost like a, a golden plated CV for us to just go look what we can do. Look how far above our weight class we can punch. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're out there and you're watching and you and you're looking for for creators who are fresh off the bat and and hungry for 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 work like this and clearly competent on on the tiniest budget ever, like. Imagine what you could do if you gave those people money. You're transporting people to the 12th century. It is all happening. Give us the uh, details of where we find the movie Chaos Rising. So the YouTube channel is called Chaos Rising Official. Uh, since YouTube handles got invented, we've we've got that handle as well. So it's just at Chaos Rising Official. No, no dashes or underscores or anything like that. We're also uh, 
heavily invested on Instagram. Um, you'll find us slowly growing on TikTok as well, but there's a big there's a big catch all. You can find us just about anywhere. We've got a website as well, and we'll always point you in the direction of our YouTube channel. And I'm sure the profile will bring you links to everything else as well, so you can see the rest of the world of uh, the creators behind all of this. Well, Charlie Parker, co-director and co-writer, thank you for joining us and telling us about Chaos Rising. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 746 next week. I'll see you then. Drop for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.